Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special winter break edition of the House Divided podcast. Jeremy, how are you? Doing well. Uh, you know, I'm a little down. We're, we're getting towards the end of 20, 2019. It's resolution season, Brendan, and I think you and I need to set some goals. Uh, next year, we are not getting shut out of the shemmies. We're getting some awards. <laughs> it's award season. We're getting shemmies, potties. Whatever we need to get, Izzy, all the coach names, all the awards. That's 2020. We're getting after it. I don't know how I didn't see this coming that you would bring up the show, <laughs> but uh, no, I do have an honest. I have an honest to God, not trolling question. Was this the first year of the Shemmies, and I just always missed it because because up Angelique posted a picture of. Uh, Harbaugh at the awards banquet, which I've always just heard people call it the awards banquet. I never noticed the Shemmy's thing. Yeah, I, mean, I think that, like yeah. it would be weird that it's new, but I mean, whatever. It's kind of funny. At least it works with the name of an actual award name, right? Because I think yeah. I was, I spent an inordinate amount of time trying to think of like what MSU could do if they wanted to like combine with the Tonys. I was like, maybe the Tommies. <laughs> the Tommy is on the Tonys, but I was like, oh, I can't really man. think of, uh, I couldn't really think of a good one. So I think I do have to go to Michigan on that. That was pretty good, uh, pretty good marketing because that's uh, it, it works perfect. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh is the corniest man alive, and this didn't surprise <laughs> me one bit. I hadn't. I I'd, either it's new or I also just have somehow missed it the past few years because it, it was the best part me. about that. The best part about that is if any other team did it. I would say that the coach had no say in it, and you are 100% right. That is absolutely Harbaugh's marketing idea, and I love it. I can just I see him. I can just see him tossing a football around in his backyard in the middle of the summer with one of his kids, and just getting the <laughs> grin on his face. Like, <laughs> I have the greatest, uh, Sarah. Sarah, I have the greatest <laughs> idea. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, I love it. So, yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think people online took it with it. I was making way more fun of it than I was. It was half making fun, half, damn it, that's some good marketing. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll run recruits over. Ah, well, either I could go to Ohio State and win 11 games every year, but if I go to Michigan, I might get a shemmy. I am missing – I do miss the uh, – what was it Was it called Recruiting with the Stars or whatever? The, yeah. It was the show for yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that what it was called? It was yeah, – uh, I do miss that. Oh, I don't the, even know what it was called, but it was amazing. I loved it. Rick Flair showing up or whatever it was. Like, man, that hardball's energy that first year, I do kind of miss all of that. Oh, my the, Lord. I mean, the like – satellite camps, the everything. Yeah. He never stopped too boring. On the sideline, he would actually try and choke out referees for bad decisions. It was, it was a whole different ride. I really think his breaking point was that Ohio State game in 2016 where he got 15 yards for a reaction to a call. Uh, and I think that was when he was like, okay, well, I guess I better stop. <laughs> um, Is that the one where he's, like, throwing the laminated play sheet? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that the one. Spin. Yeah. 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 It, you know, you'd think, like, what was that call for? Like, did it take away a big touchdown? Did it uh, Did it something else? No, that was because he. Uh, they called it offside on Michigan instead of a false start. Sure, there had been some lead up to it, but that was it. 
listen, I think that, to be honest, what he needs to do is talk to his brother-in-law, Tom Crean, get back on the phone with Tom Izzo, and learn that, you know what, Harbaugh, you can just do that your whole career. Izzo still whines. It doesn't stop him. No, that's because Izzo gets calls, so after he whines. I don't know. That's true. Um, let's get into actual things of substance instead of the, the shemmies. Um, unfortunately for Michigan fans, we'll start with this. Uh, Tariq Black is going to be transferring. Um, I believe that he read that he's going to get his Michigan degree and he will have two years of eligibility upon being a grad transfer. Um, I'm not going to say I saw it coming because that would just be revisionist history, but I will say that I was not surprised. I was more disappointed because, you know, it kind of felt like the writing was on the wall with his injury luck his first few years and then um, some questionable playing time decisions in the latter half of his sophomore year and then his junior year. So I'm not really surprised. Um, he, he, had, he had only good words to say about Michigan, but uh, obviously he's going to be moving, and I'll be rooting for him wherever he goes unless it's in the Big Ten, and we have to see him that one day a year. I won't be rooting for him. But, yeah, uh, Tariq Black is gone. A lot of people have been pointing to this possibly meaning that Nico and Donovan Peoples-Jones are back. I'm not ready to quite go there. I really do think it's more than likely both of them are not at Michigan next year but um yeah yeah I don't think uh I don't think I think it's not wise to make the uh assumption that one kid's decision uh means that he already knows what two other wide receivers are doing uh this is probably pretty much irrespective of those two guys coming back or not Um, this would have happened right after the bowl game I could have saw it I could have seen that argument maybe but my but, thing is, when you when you make a decision to transfer, you've been thinking about it long enough that he maybe made this decision during a time when there's no way those two guys knew what they were doing with any certainty either. Because um, you can say that they even know right now what they're going to do. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that's uh, what I would read out of it. But that does kind of lead me to a question I have for you with if those two guys go and uh, and we assume Black stays in the portal, does leave, what does that kind of leave for the uh, the Michigan wide receiving core going the next year? Is it pretty young, or what's, what's that sitting from as a Michigan fan? Yeah, so at first, like if you would have went into the year telling me that all three are going to be gone come 2020, I would have been terrified. Uh, and I am not, nowhere near terrified. I genuinely – it won't be a great receiving core, but there's still some pieces there for a really good one. Um, you, you look at Ronnie Bell returning. Nobody came into this year thinking Ronnie Bell was going to rack up over 600 yards and end up being a really good player uh, already. So you kind of have him leading the way as an upperclassman. And then you had a lot of guys who uh, showed a lot of – flashed a lot of promise this year. And Mike Sandersill, Giles Jackson, Cornelius Johnson. Um, and normally freshman wide receivers suck. So – uh, I think Michigan can expect some pretty decent sophomore leaps from players like that, especially Giles Jackson was 17 all season. He didn't turn 18 until the beginning of December. So the physical development you might be able to uh, expect from him in terms of his speed and, uh, you know, just general muscle mass being harder to take down, I think you can expect a pretty big jump from him considering how young he was as a freshman. So I'm really not too upset about uh, 
the returning core for the wide receivers as I could have been. Like a lot of people are comparing it to when Chesson, Butt, and Darbo left in the same year, and Michigan was left with all freshmen, and it's not that same situation. I think it'll be okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's. Uh, I mean, Ronnie Bell for sure is the headliner, uh, and definitely uh, goes in the next season. Probably one of the better Big Ten receivers that'll be coming back. Um, but yeah, it could be a pretty interesting offseason with a brand new quarterback and a lot of new receivers, uh, but another year under a new offensive coordinator. So I think that's going to make for a pretty interesting offseason for Michigan when you're looking to try and uh, prognosticate the next year. Yeah, and again, I don't know, apparently. So I don't know how good the sources are that I've heard from, but a lot of people thought that uh, if Donovan Peoples-Jones' decision was going to come down if he's being projected in the top 40, and then he would leave, and he's nowhere close to that on a lot of mocks that I see. No. So, I mean, it, we, who knows? We might get Donovan Peoples-Jones back. Um, uh, somebody yeah. who's not a, quite a draft analyst, but they do it for fun on Twitter, and they're – they're really good at what they do. Uh, his name is Walker, and he he keeps on telling me he doesn't think he think Nico should wait a year because he he wouldn't be a high graded this year, but and probably would be next year. I I don't know, man. I think Nico Collins has the biggest NFL upside of any of Michigan's receivers, and I think that can be seen. But one good thing is, you know, for Michigan fans hoping they both come back is it is a pretty loaded year at wide receiver in the draft. So they, there could be the thoughts that, Hey, maybe I come back, play a really good senior season, get that first or second round status. So I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. We're only a little less than two weeks away from the citrus bowl against Alabama. You know, I think the tape that they put on uh, against Alabama is going to have a lot to dictate how uh how the decision making is made and i'm intrigued to see how quickly after the bowl game uh, we start to get decisions yeah yeah it's hard to read right now i think uh kind of like i said with the uh the transfer truth black if if dpj was really thinking that uh hey i'm not going top four i'm coming back if that was an accurate statement i think you'd already know he's coming back because i agree with you there's no way he's top 40 uh, not that saying he's going to be too far away from that, but I I can't imagine him getting a grade from any scout right now that that's where he would for sure go. Um, so that probably is a little bit off, but uh, I I think I'm maybe a little more positive than you. I'd be surprised if both go. I think you get at least one of them returning, more than likely Donovan coming back uh, and Nico staying in the draft. Yep, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um to jump into a different piece of news, this one's a lot bigger of a bummer than the last one. Um, Josh Langford is officially out for the year for Michigan State hoops. Um, this one kind of saw the writing on the wall over the last couple of weeks with no positive news after he had to miss the beginning of the season. And uh, yeah, now it's official. So that's a huge bummer for Josh. Yeah, it kind of felt, uh, it felt official for most of the fans, I'd say the whole season. Uh, got a little bit of news this week that he was uh, not at the game last night against Northwestern. He was seeing a specialist in New York uh, just to see what the progress was on the foot. Uh, but again, it would have been pretty shocking to hear that he was going to make any type of return this season. 
Uh, now I guess it becomes, um, you know, preseason there was some talk that he was saying that this was going to be his last year and really wasn't thinking about turning back to MSU. I think that was a lot, just trying to be positive that he could get back on the court this year and didn't want to already be defeating himself. But now that that's off the table, does he come back as a, you know, approaching mid-20s senior? Because um, he was an older freshman when he came in. Uh, I would have to imagine if he does have plans of playing pro basketball that he would want to play another season at MSU, but uh, not not quite sure what he's going to do now. But hopefully he just gets better. Uh, Robbie Hummel was talking about it on the broadcast last night, that he had an 18-month injury, uh, and he knows what it's like to have to sit out for so, so long, uh, waiting to come back. So hope Josh comes back and he's healthy and we get to see him play again. Uh, but if not, he's going to continue to be a leader on the sidelines. But just a tough break. Uh, by all accounts, a really great kid. And he's gone through a lot in his time at MSU. And I'd, I'd love to see him get a little bit more time uh, playing on the court. Yeah, me too, honestly. And, you know, as a Michigan fan, it seems counterintuitive to want a player like Josh Langford back at Michigan State next year. Uh, but, you know, I just got to feel so bad for the kid. He was looking like last year was going to be his breakout year, and then that happened so early. And now, you know, his basketball future is up in the air. Very sad. Um, But obviously this has been expected, so this doesn't really change Michigan State's outlook for the year. So, Yeah, if anything, I think uh, the super optimistic person maybe could have thought he was going to come back and be great. At this point, it was getting to the point where if he came back, there was no reason to assume that uh, he could just pick up, you know, playing some of the best ball of his career. So, uh, going to need other guys like Rocket Watts to get healthy and, and figure their game out because uh, Josh is going to be done for the year. Yep. And uh, the last piece of news, I just wanted to touch on it real quick, was the early national signing day for the 2020 football recruiting class was yesterday came and went I think Michigan State had 19 out of their 20 sign early and I don't have the number for Michigan I want to say it was 17 or 18 out of 24 uh so that's mostly good news um I wouldn't I haven't heard anything to worry about any of those unsigned commits uh any reason to worry anyways so uh we'll we'll have more of a class-by-class breakdown for Michigan and Michigan State next week but, uh, yeah, just wanted to touch on that real quick. Do you have a favorite commit in the uh, MSU class? I don't know if I can pick a favorite. I usually try and pick a favorite on, like, each side of the ball. Uh, so, I think so far my my favorite on defense is probably Darius Snow just because he's become such a leader already on Twitter. Um, just a great attitude. Uh, so, I think he's going to be a fan favorite and probably a future captain of the team. And on offense, I don't know, it's a lot of receivers, Uh, you know, an interesting QB, but again, kind of like last year where I don't know a ton about the QB as he's a later commit. So I think I'm going to have to go with the kid from Nova Scotia, uh, Justin Stevens, just to stick with being peak hockey player and loving a Canadian kid. And I just, I really hope he loves the show Trailer Park Boys and we can talk a lot about uh, Nova Scotia and how much uh, we love Bubbles. That was so on brand of you to pick a Canadian. Uh, it a Canadian was really. Recruit. That was the most. On- hey, we need offensive line help too, man. It is just, yeah, yeah. It's uh, and and to be honest, I think 
uh, unlike a typical D'Antonio class, and we'll get into this more deep next week, but I I don't know if I can pick a favorite yet because I think he's actually still going to be in play for some late later signing period kids and possibly uh, pretty active in the portal too. So uh, a little bit different of a recruiting style from him this year than normal. Um, and I also want to make sure that Simmons actually signs in February, as I expect him to, but he could be a pretty good favorite as well if he uh, assuming he actually gets to campus. Yes. Um, I guess I'll, su- I'll uh, pick a favorite for Michigan on both sides of the ball as well. Um, I don't like to pick the highest rated guy as my favorite, but I'm going to on the defensive side of the ball. It's Braden McGregor. Um, he's a very high four-star uh, defensive end out of port here on Northern. And just this dude has all the physical tools. And so far he's talked the talk in a way you want him to. Uh, he was quoted yesterday saying, if you don't think you can go and try and beat out Aiden and Quiddy, why go to Michigan? And, uh, you know, it's just stuff like that gets you excited. Um, believe he's an early enrollee, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, and then on the offensive side of the ball, I'm not going to go. The highest rated is A.J. Henning, who's wide out um, out of Illinois. But I'm going to go with my favorite is also a wide receiver. Roman Wilson out of Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, Just an absolute lightning bolt. Uh, He's in track, and I think he's like, he won a state championship running, I think, the 100 meter in Hawaii. So he's somebody who I'm really excited for, and hopefully, maybe that speed translates and he can be a day one guy. Not sure, but uh, both both of those guys are really exciting, and we'll get more in the details uh, next week. Yeah, sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, uh, looking forward to sticking to my optimistic brand because the MSU fans who don't follow recruiting really showed their ass this week because they melted down again as if they didn't see this recruiting class being in the middle of the uh, middle of the Power Five kind of coming, which I I don't know what they expected. But um, okay, yeah, so it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to diving into it. Before we make the jump to basketball, I do have a question question for you it's a complete opinion thing can recruiting factor into rivalry fodder do you think that's fair uh man i think that rivalry fodder is so inane and stupid to begin with and recruiting just takes it down about five more levels uh because here's the thing with it it the, the thing, especially when it's like over the in-state kids, is that you can talk trash, and if the kid would have just changed which one he committed to, all the trash you talked, you would probably just throw out. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think it's really relevant. I think that – and we both know what each side of our fan base is going to do, right? Like, yeah, uh, well, it's, it's Michigan predictable. Michigan fan is going to say that D'Antonio can't recruit and – uh, this is a sign of the entire program falling apart. And Michigan State fan is going to say that regardless of what Harbaugh brings in, he always brings in top 10 and they never develop and they're never good. And it's the third best in the Big Ten. He's like, that's, we don't have anything new to say. Um, so, no, I really think the rivalry fodder is stupid. Uh, I will poke fun over USC finishing in like the 70s. That's funny to me. That is uh, For that every is MSU hilarious. fan melting down. Let's mention the fact that we are double better than what USC finished so far. <laughs> so 
Um, you know who's you know, on that USC staff down. recruiting? Okay, it's Tim Drevno. It's Tim Drevno. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a robbery fire that we can enjoy together. Oh, and my God. that's plan. what the holiday season is about, Brendan. Yeah, yeah. Tim Drevno's out there trying to <laughs> recruit. He has, he has Southern California to recruit from, and he's still out in the Midwest trying to get some three-star to come to USC. <laughs> Oh baby. Okay. Oh. We we got to we got to get to basketball. Um I guess we'll start with the more relevant information um with Michigan game, Michigan's games cuz they played two more top 50 opponents this week and uh it was a rough week for the program. Um we'll start with the loss to Illinois. Uh a lot of people were talking about that it is I don't believe in blaming the game on the ref unless it was something where literally the last play of the game was botched or something that would have decided it. A lot of people were pointing at the refs to this loss, but man, if Michigan shoots better than three of 18 from three, they win this game. <laughs> like that is the key to this game. They went on the road and they shot three of 18 from three point range. You lost by nine. So if you go six of 18, which is still not good, you are tied. It's just an absolutely atrocious game from three, and they were still chucking them up and didn't really have any answers because of Illinois' size, and that's how they lost. When does it come be, become concerning that they can't shoot if they're not in the ballroom in the box? I mean, it's amazing to me. They shot so well in the hardest place to shoot. And they've struggled everywhere else. But I will say, knowing that the NCAA tournament has some weird shooting setups, maybe <laughs> not all that bad for Michigan. Maybe yeah. not bad. They yeah. have to play right into their hands because they will be very comfortable in like a football stadium with the weird backdrops and weird uh, depth perception because they will be used to that. Uh, they shot very well when they had to deal with that before. But uh, is it a concern at this point that they're struggling uh, on the road so mightily? Or? See, yeah, it's, I mean, everyone in the league obviously is struggling in the road too, but, um, you know, when, when does it – I mean, Illinois is a good team, so I guess now is too early to be concerned. It, it's tough for me, right, because Michigan's only played two true road games. That is not a big enough sample size. All you have to – For sure. They had two bad days. It could be that they can't go on the road and shoot. That very well could be an option, but it's just so hard to tell with the sample size we have right now. Um in, in, and not to mention those two road games have both been in uh, environments that were very much alive against top 50 opponents. And going on the road to a top 50 opponent in college basketball and winning is no easy feat, uh, as was shown by the entire Big Ten. Um, so I don't know. It, I, I'm not ready to shout that it was uh, this is a, a thing yet for this team. And I'm not sure when I'm pulling up the schedule right now because I'm not sure when I'll be able to say that because their next road game is in the Breslin center. So it's not like that's going to tell us anything more anyways. Right. Like, it, okay. If they go and shoot poorly and get blown out, then yes, this is probably a thing. But you know, if they go and lose by five to 10 points at Michigan state, it, that that's not going to have you being like, Oh, John Howard seems can't play on the road. Um, yeah, so their next road game 
against a team outside of the top 50 is January 12th against Minnesota. Um, and that's still, I mean, Ooh, uh, obviously going to Minnesota. <laughs> yes, they did. So, so yeah, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this, uh, this develops uh, over the course of the season because I, the sample size is too small right now. Um, one thing I will say about this game is I said I won't blame it on the refs, and I'm not, but holy shit, was it a ref show. Like, in the first half, there were like four fouls called total, three on Illinois and one on Michigan. And then the second half, Michigan, Illinois was in the double bonus 10 minutes in. I, I'm at a loss. Which was so predictable, as yeah. Brian Mack on Twitter called it. Uh, yeah, um, so predictable. It's just, again, I, I don't want to harp on it every week, but, man, it's, it's really hard because I, I think as I get older, I get more and more in love with college basketball, but I can't get over the fact that it is by far the worst ref experience outside of watching Pac-12 football refs. Um, <laughs> it is so bad. It I, is. And it's just, you don't know what to say. Like, I know, like, we, and then on Sunday, I can tell you the NFL is the worst. But it's just, there's, I don't understand it. And especially for a league like the Big Ten, who, you know, could, could or should be the, one of the top two leagues every year with the ACC. How do you not find better refing at this point? And you know, you know, it's crazy. It confuses me. And the the most annoying part of this is like it's like the Big Ten is just trying to feed Michigan conspiracy Twitter because Lewis Garrison, who officiated this game for about thirty eight minutes, um, Michigan was zero three in games officiated by him last year, and <laughs> and then this second half happens where they're calling 10 fouls on Michigan in the first 10 minutes and two on Illinois. And, like, clearly Lewis Garrison does not hate Michigan or call worse against them. I think he's just a shitty ref. And But, of course, you know Michigan Twitter. They are very rational. And, um, yeah, so they took that into account, and it wasn't pretty. Um Talking, speaking of Lewis Garrison, you may have meant, noticed that I said he ref 38 minutes of <laughs> the contest. And I wouldn't yeah, be joking about this. The hell out. I wouldn't be joking about this uh, if he was not okay. But he is okay, I think, I heard. And that dude got clocked. Like, <laughs> um, Ace, Ace on the Ace and Bender on the MGO podcast said it best. Like, if that would have been a heavyweight title fight, that was that hit was so hard that it would have been like, oh yeah, that's the knockout blow, and this is just some dude. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I felt bad for him. I felt uh, I felt bad that uh, he def somebody Brian Mack got out the voodoo doll or something, man, and he pulled it off. But uh, you know what? At this point, Lewis Garrison shouldn't take pictures with Mike Weber like that. Uh, you know, things are gonna happen. Uh, I kid, of course, because I forget which one of your fan accounts loves to post that picture of Mike Weber at the football ref. But um, <laughs> yep, yeah, all of us. It's uh, <laughs> and, and you know, to and as a obviously as a rival fan, like this, uh, like our show tends to be. If there, it is ridiculous because Michigan is one of the teams that is the best at not taking 
fouls. Like, they are not aggressive on the offensive glass, at least under the BY, and I, I haven't watched enough under DeJuan to know if that's changed a ton, but they're not an uber-aggressive team to where they should be in the bonus 10 minutes into a half. That is, because so, I so remember I- multiple times playing Michigan and MSU getting the benefit of late in games, Michigan can't foul on purpose or it takes a lot of clock to do it because they're nowhere near the bonus. And that's just how their team was. So it's ridiculous that they're in the bonus tennis and what happened. A rough show. It's disgusting. And it ruined a good, a pretty good game of two good Big Ten teams. Yeah, no one um, cares to watch that. Yeah, especially when it starts at 9 p.m., right? Like in the second half when there's a foul oh. per minute, like nobody wants to be up at, 11 p.m. watching the last five minutes of a game where it's being stopped every 30 seconds because of fouls being called. Um, so that drives me nuts. Uh, the last thing I'll talk about in this game before we head over to the Oregon game is we needed more Brandon Johns because they were getting killed on the glass. And I know Johns is only 6'8", but he has proved this season that he is a really good rebounder. And I think he uh, could have warranted some more minutes. Uh now to skip over to the Oregon game, which Michigan lost 71-70 in overtime. Uh, we got more Brandon Johns. <laughs> was was, say, that's our transition right there. We had more Brandon Johns, that's for sure. He was absolutely excellent against Oregon. This dude is finally turning into the guy everybody hoped he'd be. Um, and I, it's like you can see his confidence going up every time he gets a touch of the ball. Uh, every time he gets another monstrous rebound, man, it's so much fun to watch this dude. Um, and and that really just takes me to. Did you get to see this game? It was it was excellent. Uh, so the tough part of this game, to be honest, was it was on at the same time as MSU Oakland. Oh uh, yes, so, it was. So it, it was the same time. So I was flipping over. I think uh, the Michigan game probably had a few more commercials or just a little bit of a slower pace. So I know I caught the end of the first half. Uh, and then caught uh, – I mean, the MSU game must have been a really quick seven and a half because we we finished, and I think there was probably still seven to eight minutes left when I flipped over to the Michigan game. Um, so I got to see Pritchard go off in a one-on-one battle with uh, Xavier Simpson there at the end of regulation. Uh, but, no, it was an entertaining game. Uh, I did see at the end of – I know I caught it in the first half because I did get to, get to see Michigan miss three dunks in a row. <laughs> which I think everyone made fun of it. To be honest, two of those dunks were pretty damn hard uh, with, you know, drives and kind of weird angles at the rim. But, I, of course, you, you guys see D1 guys finish those. But, um, no, I thought, uh, you know, for what I saw in the first half, when I looked back over to see that Michigan was in the lead, I was shocked because, judging by Twitter and what I saw in the first half, I didn't think they were going to claw back into it. Uh, the offense was struggling so bad, but – they clearly found something that worked, and uh, were it not for Oregon shooting insanely from the three-point line and uh, Peyton Pritchard just getting everything that he wanted late in the game, you guys probably get a good win there. Yeah, it's tough to be on the ending of that one because, you know, the only upside is, you know, Michigan wins the battle for Atlantis in late November. So they didn't really – they weren't aching for a big non-conference win. Um, it, it would have been really nice to have that one, though. Um, and you get it down 16. If you would have told me that was getting to overtime, I would have just said, thank you, I don't care what happens. Because uh, they were down 16 in the first half. It was looking really, really bad. They couldn't buy a basket. Um, 
you know, they fought back in it. Uh, showed some real toughness, I think, mentally, not to just bow out. I mean, really, this game, I'm, I'm not going to say it was meaningless because any big win you can pick up means something for your seeding at the end of the year. But, you know, going into conference play, you already have wins over Gonzaga and Iowa State. Um, I mean, North Carolina, yeah, but that's not very impressive, clearly, we see now. Uh, so, really, they did not need this game. So to show the mental toughness and come back and fight back in it and, you know, make it a real game, it felt like March in there. I mean, it was it was fun. Um, yeah, so you it talked about – like a Sweet 16 level game yeah. in there, right? Like it yeah. It felt like a, a regional semifinal uh, to, you know, like a, maybe a three versus – I guess we're going to be there. I am showing my Sparty pride here by being careful on this. Uh, yeah, like a three versus two seed or – you know, it just – it felt like a good Sweet 16 level matchup um, that I would love to see in the tournament again because it was a good atmosphere in Chrysler. It had excellent individual play and some unexpected play from guys like Brandon Johns really having maybe what we can hope is a breakout game. Uh, it was super entertaining for an early, you know, December after the early games where you get all the premier matchups. It was kind of a dead time in college basketball. But Michigan Oregon game was a great game. Yeah, it was. Um, I guess the a couple things to talk about. You already touched on it. Um, Xavier Simpson took one on the chin on Saturday, and it, it was it was confusing because he is a senior, and that has not he has gone against some great players. And I I said in our preview that. Peyton Pritchard was going to be the second best point guard that he played all year. And I, this is absolutely no offense to Cassius Winston, but I think Peyton Pritchard might be the best point guard <laughs> Xavier Simpson plays all year because Cassius got a lot of points, but he didn't do it because he was abusing X. He did it because he was, you know, they were playing that ball screen game and they were using it to their advantage and he would get some open shots. And he was draining all of them, and they were tough shots. I'm not taking anything away from Winston. But Xavier Simpson has never been owned like that one-on-one, ever, in his career at Michigan, consistently. You know, somebody will get him on a play or two here. But this Pritchard was getting to the bucket every time. And I don't know if it's alarming. I don't know if the fact that there was no adjustment to it is alarming. Uh, I'm going to say no because it's a long season and it's a small sample size we're looking at. Uh, you know, when's the next time he's going to see a point guard that has that speed again? So I wouldn't call it alarming. It was just eye-opening. Peyton Pritchard is a hell of a player. You know what, if I, you know, if I was Charles Matthews' agent, i show that video to show how good my, my client is. Uh, yeah. Because to me, that game showed how much Michigan really misses three guys and, and in different ways. Like, to me, I think Xavier wore down at the end of that game because he's having to expend more energy on the offensive side of the court because he doesn't have an AD, he doesn't have a Jordan Poole on offense that he can lean on. And then on the defensive side of the court, he's having to be the lockdown guy uh, and really play his position damn near perfect uh, because he's he's now the premier defender, which I think Charles Matthews is the best defender on Michigan last year. He was. Um, so 
So I think it was just, it seemed like it was just kind of like some fatigue and Michigan's had a hell of a schedule. I don't think I take anything out of that game of actual concern. A, to your point, outside of Cassius Winston, which is a different style of play, I don't think Xavier is going to come up against a point guard that good anytime soon. And on top of that, I think it's just a fatigue body fact, you know, a body blow factor wearing down. I, I wouldn't really be too concerned about Xavier for the long run in the season. I don't think it puts anything on tape because most teams aren't going to really do what Pritchard did. So uh, this is a tough matchup for him. Feel, I feel bad for, uh, for Xavier getting getting that matchup, but I think he'll bounce back. You know, yeah. And, and when we talk about a brutal stretch, how long ago does Thanksgiving feel to you right now? Oh, months. Yeah. It's amazing to think how far back that feels and Since, how actual not far back it is. Yeah. Since the day before Thanksgiving, November 27th, when they started the Battle for Atlantis tournament, Michigan has played seven games, and the lowest-rated team they have played in Ken Palm is the number 46 Iowa State Cyclones. They have played seven top 50 games in a row and walked away four and three with, you know, two of those were on the road. I, it's nothing to scoff at. Michigan had a good stretch. I'm really excited to see what they have going into conference play. Um, this conference is going to be an absolute mess this year, and it's going to be awesome because there's probably going to be four to five teams that genuinely think they are in it for the title, and I think it's going to all come down to you know, the, first, the first week of March. Yeah, I think that uh, the winner of the league is going to have at least five losses. Uh, yeah. So it is going to be a fun and, – and I am, would be shocked if the winner of this league is a sole champion. Uh, this feels like one of those years where you have two, three co-champions uh, and, again, you know, five to six losses for those co-champions. So I'm excited. I think uh, this is one of those years where I'll probably watch more more easy in college basketball season. I don't watch a ton outside of MSU games. Uh, I'm going to watch a lot of the Big Ten this season because I think that every night you can have something crazy happen like Minnesota taking down Ohio State uh, and a Minnesota team that, isn't that good, but they're good enough to win their home game over Ohio State. So uh, it's going to be a fun season uh, to, to follow. Yeah, and uh, like even more, I, I know it's not a Big Ten game. Maryland just went on the road to Seton Hall and lost by four. So good. I mean, that's good for MSU's resume, to poor being honest. But um, like. Yeah, it's good for MSU's resume. And don't sleep on it's good for Rutgers' resume. You're right. Rutgers destroyed Seton Hall. They did. Uh, Rutgers and Penn State, uh, they could play their way into the tournament. I, I, Penn State more than Rutgers. I, I mean, they're in the top 25 right now. But imagine uh, we could have Penn State. I, I don't think it's crazy to say that both can make the NCAA tournament. That's insane. Oh, my God. I'm looking at Michigan's schedule, and I can't even put into words how thankful I am they don't have to go to Penn State this year. I after <laughs> after what happened last year in that empty arena when Penn State when John Beeline got ejected. Um, I just think is is Penn State basketball kind of like uh, Michigan hockey going to the the Troll Center? Is it yeah similar energy? Yeah, or like going to Kinnick at night? 
Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It's it's similar because like they have zero fans show up, but those guys are like, but but to them that arena's full because they have a hundred people. So they're like, all right, we got to show out for our fan, <laughs> all the fans that showed up tonight, and somehow they have upset two really good Michigan teams just since 2013. Um, it, it's crazy. Uh, it, let, let's yeah. get to MSU though. I my last point is real quick. Franz had a really good game, had a kind of a quiet first half, went off in the second half. That dude is gaining confidence and beating up on Presbyterian and UMass Lowell is only going to help. Um, that dude's going to be real good. I'm telling you that he is going to be fun. Um, but let's get to MSU's two games. Uh, the MSU Oakland game, for those of you wondering, I completely forgot it happening happened and forgot to put it in the notes. So that's how that went. Yeah. Not a ton to really get into uh, with that game. It's a, as we covered in our preview, uh, this is a down year for Oakland uh, and it showed in the game. Um, you know, I think it just, it was both Oakland and we'll kind of get this when we get Northwestern too. It was just another one of those yo-yo games where MSU would extend the lead to, an 18 to 20 point lead. And then before you know it, it's down to eight to 10. And you're kind of like, why can't they just keep it a blowout? And then the whole second half, we just kind of stayed in that comfortable, you know, 14 to 20 range. Uh, the most entertaining thing about this game after it was that Jack Hoybert had a pretty fun reverse layup and Stephen Izzo out rebounded Aaron Henry, uh, which, <laughs> Uh, I don't think will happen ever again. Uh, but yeah, he had three rebounds in his like two minutes of play and got a lot of cheer every single time, which I love to hear because there were serious concern articles about the fact that Steven Izzo could ruin the chemistry of the team because uh, of the nepotism. And every time that happens, I just laugh. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a weird game, but not what we're used to seeing where the Oakland team actually puts a scare into you. I'd say about five minutes in the game, I was pretty comfortable that this was going to be a a more standard out-of-conference December game where I don't have to worry about going to overtime with Oakland like I've had to do before. So uh, it was not not much to, to glean out of that. Uh, just, you know, get out of the game, everyone healthy was the goal. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and, then, and then last night uh, – Michigan State broke the uh, the Big Ten road curse. First team to win a road game in conference. Uh, disregard that it was against Northwestern. It was a big win, right? So, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think we should really wait to see how long it takes to see somebody get a road win against somebody not named Northwestern because uh, that will be the yeah. true test. <laughs> it will be. It will be. Uh, it was, again, another yo-yo game at MSU – raced out to I think it was like a 10 nothing lead in the first couple minutes of the game they were hot uh looked like they could just do what they should and pull away from Northwestern but uh Northwestern just kept chipping away they'd get it down to four to six and then it'd be back up to MSU by 12 and then uh they go a little cold and Northwestern goes on a 6-0 run and it just kind of they just kind of hunt around the whole night uh and once again MSU got uh got an opponent to have their career game. Uh, speaking of Penn State earlier, uh, Taylor Battles got a little brother 
apparently, named Boo Bowie. <laughs> again for you, Brian. Boo Bowie. Uh, and he plays for Northwestern. <laughs> And he plays for Northwestern. And I'm like, hey, you know, and he kept showing Taylor Battle. And at first I'm like, well, why is he there? Did he play for the Bulls? And I don't know. Like, why Why did he show Taylor Battle? This isn't Penn State playing Michigan State. And then they had to announce that it's uh, Boo Booey's brother. And I was like, well, so Boo-Boo-y. we just have two voodoo dolls in the – we have Boo Booey going off uh, and Taylor Battle being there because Taylor Battle just has to be there to remind me of all the pain. Um, yeah, so he went off last night. I, I don't know where it came from. He is a true freshman. and He got the Ken Palm MVP of the whole game between both teams. Boo Booey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boo Booey. And, uh, oh, my God. Yeah, his, his O rating on Torvik, uh, he had one good game against Boston College, so I'll give him that. But he had, against Providence, a 13.5 game, Brendan, and a 45 game. And his O rating last night was 154 in 26 minutes. Jesus Christ. I'm sick and tired of watching teams have their career game against MSU. I honestly don't know. At this point, I'm just like, is it something we're doing? Are we just not playing good defense? Or what is going on that that players can just go off uh, against MSU? But – he held them in the game. He was the only offensive threat that was consistent at all for that team. Uh, and, yeah, I just – I don't even know what to say anymore against these guys that are just going off. 26 yeah. points last night in 26 minutes. A point per game – or a point per minute, rather. It's just I, – I don't know what to say anymore. You made seven threes, Brendan. <laughs> yeah. Um, I went and looked at his Ken Palm page. And one of his comparables is a player named Lafayette Dorsey from Pacific University. Um, oh, this is just he, beautiful. They read off his they read off his offers, and his offers were like Saint Bonaventure. Uh, just okay. I I have to do this right into a shout out to a, a podcast that I was on. I'm just gonna hope you heard me just crack that beer. I was gonna save that for the Arizona State like happy beer. I just have to have a beer real quick now. The boo-booey is just getting to me. Yeah, boo-booey. I, uh, that is my favorite name of all time. I do want to say that. Um, what a player. Great spelling, too. Yeah, I mean. It's B-O-O-B-U-I-E. What a spelling. It's perfect. Not even a Halloween baby. Like, I thought at least if you're going <laughs> to name him boo-booey, <laughs> maybe he was born on Halloween. No. Uh, December 7th, 1999, Boo Booey. Just lit your ass up. At least you guys won. I don't know. Like, <laughs> 26 points. Uh, Jesus Christ. I mean, we got 44 on us from Luca Garza, so, like, whatever. But, my Lord. Oh. Yeah. So, a- any non, yeah, um, non-name-making fun of points <laughs> we have here? Yeah, I mean, and then from the MSU side, I think positives. Uh, Gabe Brown was pretty good last night. He found his shot a little bit more, hitting some threes, um, was good in spurts. He also disappeared for some stretches. So uh, I don't think you walk with that game with – like if Osafi, and there was really no one that you could – you could say had a perfect, perfect run the whole way through. Um, I was happy with Foster Lawyer. He hit a three and hit some free throws. 
Uh, still way too much of a liability on defense, but he did give them some some decent minutes in a time when uh, with Rocket injured and a team like Northwestern, this is the time that he needs to, you know, earn some minutes. Uh, so I thought that was good. And uh, there's a fun clip at the end of the game that just shows you how much Cassius Winston is in rarefied air, uh, where I'm 99% sure he corrected Thomas or won something, um, <laughs> which you do not see. Uh, Izzo seemed like he was yelling at him and Cassius yelled right back at him and Izzo said, oh, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. So uh, that was pretty cool to see. Um, and I just want to give Aaron Henry a hug. Uh, the kid just looks so run down right now. It, it's He had three layups probably in the first six minutes that I don't even know how they rolled off the rim. It, there has to be a lid on that rim at this point. Uh, so you know, it, you know it's bad because Izzo just talked him up about everything else that he did right yesterday because it's just obvious at this point that he is just about as low as you can feel, which is crazy because he went through the same thing last year. Um, didn't think he'd struggle with it in his sophomore year, but it seems like he's uh, he's struggling with it again. It's so annoying because I know he's going to light up Michigan in a couple weeks. It's going to suck. I, uh, whatever. Um, I do want to touch on. We have brought up Pat Spencer, the lacrosse player. That's the one, right? <laughs> yes, it is. And he had a great dunk at one point on a <laughs> fast break. Yeah, oh I didn't get God. to see any of this, but he ended up uh, with a 54-0 rating in 24 minutes. So, or no, not 24 minutes, 18 minutes. So it turns out when you take somebody who's been playing lacrosse for the last four years, he's not going to put up an all-world performance on MSU. And totally disappointing, okay? If you're going to come from lacrosse to basketball, you need to give me some flow, have long hair, be kind of douchey. He was like buzz cut Brad out there. Not impressed. Not impressed. Didn't do anything for me. Uh, you know, you won the tour and award. You need to actually get past Spencer. Uh, yeah. But he did enjoy his dunk. He did uh, enjoy pumping the crowd up. And uh, if I recall right, he's one of these guys that wears like a wristband like halfway up the forearm, I want to say. Uh, so enjoy that. That's a thing. Um, I just, if I can get anything across Michigan fans, watch the Northwestern game. You got Blue Bluey, you got a lacrosse player. It should be great. Um, unfortunately, Michigan Michigan doesn't get to play them until, oh man, February 12th. They don't get to go to, uh, that ghost town in Evanston until February 12th. Hey man, it's going to be a home game. It's going to be fun. Um, my final thing, can we just stop lob passes forever? Uh, the MSU missed, I think, five lob passes against Oakland. Uh, Cassius tried one again last night. It almost got Gabe Brown hurt. I don't know what he was throwing the lob pass for. There was nowhere for Gabe to go. Uh, I'd be okay if we just stopped that until March. I don't know what it is, uh, but they cannot connect on those right now. So, yeah, yeah. I, I never want to watch Northwestern play basketball again unless Chris Collins is on all fours. <laughs> oh, man. That needs to be recreated eventually. Um, so, I have no clever transition for this, so instead I'm just going to make fun of myself for having no transition. But Michigan and State played Arizona of, State in hockey. Of sun, I was going to say, speaking of Chris Collins, Sun Devils, uh, <laughs> MSU versus Arizona State, man. The curse has been lifted. 
I don't have to be Chris Collins on all fours every time we play Arizona State. One game winning streak, baby. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh. You guys, yeah, you're eight and one against us in the last two seasons, but it's too big of a sample size. One and oh, suckers. <laughs> you're damn right. All right. You may have won hockey, baseball, and football, but we won one hockey game over you, school from Arizona. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's all. Yeah, never mind. I was going to make fun of Tempe, but I know nothing about Tempe to make fun of it with. So, there you um, go. That's all you need to know. It's just, I know nothing to you, Tempe. <laughs> um, so, a 4-3 win for Arizona State. Uh, they all they got to break a curse as well. The Having a 3-1 lead versus Michigan State curse was broken. Uh, it looked at first like it was still very much alive when Michigan State came roaring back to tie it 3-3. But ASU got the win in regulation, so that's officially over uh, until the next time Michigan leads 3-1 over Michigan State. Um, and then the next night, Michigan State got the 1-0 win in overtime. So it's an official split against a really good Arizona State team. So outside of the memes, I will say this is a really good weekend for Michigan State, I think, just getting that w- another win over a top-10 team. Uh, yeah, what, do, I didn't get to see any of this hockey, so I'll let you go off for a minute. Yeah, so I went to the full game Saturday. Um, really tough break, to be honest. They, I think they really deserve better, at least a tie out of that night. Uh, the first goal Arizona State had was a really kind of a fluke goal, just a two-on-one play uh, against Christian Krieger. He goes down to block a pass, and the pass just gets caught in his pads and just goes into the net with him. So, you know, I there's he made the right play. That's what he's going to do, but it's just kind of unfortunate. It ends up in his own net. And the, the game-winning goal that Arizona State got late in the third after MSU had tied it up, which is a shot that's going a few feet wide and Johnny Walker just kind of put his stick out there and it tips back to the left and, and beats left. I mean, you know, a play that nine times out of 10, if you tip that, it doesn't get back on that. It just stays wide, but he made a great play. So um, tough to lose the one Friday or Saturday night because I think they really could have gotten away with a tie and a win uh, out of the weekend. But I thought it was good, you know, Sunday night, uh, I had a hockey game of my own, so I only saw the third period in overtime. I just drove right over to Mon. Uh, so don't know quite what happened so much in the first two periods, but the third period was really, really even. Uh, shots were even the whole game, and MSU did what they needed to do. They made a great play to get a game-winning goal on Sunday. Um, they looked a lot better on their forecheck. Saturday night, they just were trying way too much lateral movement against Arizona State, who is super quick on – on transition the other way. So, uh, and that led to two of their goals on Saturday night. So Sunday night, they were much better about getting the puck deep and then just kind of going to work on them, uh, grinding it out, you know, really getting a lot of pressure on them down low and getting it up to their defensemen. So, and it was a weird, uh, a weird line going on Sunday night because they had to shuffle the defense as uh, Christian Krieger was gone as the world junior camp started. So and he didn't get caught. Krieger in the, yeah. Did not get cut. So he's still in the running. So, um, you know, it kind of messed up the deep hairs a little bit. And there's a lot of uh, switches around. One switch that I really liked is they moved Josh Nodler uh, up to the first line with Lewandowski and Kodarenko. Granted, they only got the one goal. So I uh, can't say that there's a huge offensive outburst as far as finishing goes, but they had a lot of good shifts going on. 
I really liked that uh, that change. Even though Sam Saliba had some good nights up there too, I just think uh, Nolu being up on that line really makes it you know as close as you're going to get to the KHL line last year in the fact that all three guys are really big threats to score. Um, so that was uh, that was good. And, you know, you, you come out of it, the best part for MSU is that you're 17 in the pairwise right now, and Arizona State is ninth, and they're going to beat a lot of good teams at Arizona State, so every win they get helps MSU in the pairwise right now. And uh, unlike being a team like Ohio State or Notre Dame or Penn State who are in the Big Ten, Arizona State's outside your conference, you're not going to play them again. So you just want them to keep winning every single game, and that will help you out. You heard it right, folks. Uh, at least for 2020 through about March, Mich- Jeremy is an Arizona State fan. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm just gonna need a lot of need a lot of penicillin. I already feel like. Uh, oh man. <laughs> but in 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 a little bit of some somber news this year, I do want to take a second to say that uh, it was fun to see Saturday night. The first MSU goal was scored by Tommy Apap, um, who unfortunately. Uh, just like his U of D Jesuit classmate, uh, Cassius Winston, uh, lost a family member this week. His dad, Paul, uh, has been battling ALS for a few years and uh, actually passed away last Monday. So uh, it was really cool to see Tommy score, and uh, he got a little justy in there. He did the uh, the point to the sky after he scored, and it was, uh, it was good to see. I didn't know if he was going to play. I assumed he would, um, but I didn't hear anything all week that if he was uh, – was going to be in the, in the lineup, and uh, I know it's it's got to be tough to lose a family member and dad at any point, but losing dad right before Christmas is probably pretty rough now. So um, it was great to see Tommy get a goal and just, you know, uh, thoughts out to his family and the whole team. I know Paul was uh, a pretty big uh, presence around the rink. He always had his wheelchair up uh, actually pretty close to where I sit, and I had noticed he'd been gone for a few weekends this year, and was getting a little concerned that it must be that his ALS was getting worse, and uh, clearly it was because he uh, he passed away. So uh, it definitely cheered Tom a little bit harder this year, and but it was great to see that goal too. Yeah, you know, the expression in hockey uh, often uses uh, that puck head eyes for the net. You know, normally used when uh, you get a lucky bounce or something crazy happens, but uh, that puck head eyes for the net, Tommy getting a goal, you know, right after what happened. Nothing will ever, nothing will ever truly like help, like in a real way. But, you know, hockey is all sports really are a good distraction for when you're going through stuff like this. So getting that goal, especially the first one that puck had eyes for the net and uh, deservedly Um, thoughts and all my thoughts are with the APAP family and the MSU hockey family through this. Um, on a more positive note, uh, both teams have a weekend and a half off, uh, before the GLI, the next, it's not on the weekend, actually, it'll be on the 30th and 31st of December. Um, the, for those who are not familiar with this tournament, um, every, every year, Michigan Tech, Michigan and Michigan State. I'll take part in the Great Lakes Invitational. That fourth team rotates in and out between pretty much anybody. Um, a lot of times it's a Michigan team, but I think last year it was Bowling Green, and sometimes they've had out-of-state teams as well. Um, 
but this year it is Ferris State. So the semifinal matchups are Michigan State, Michigan Tech, and Michigan Ferris State, and then there will be a first and third place game on New Year's Eve. We will have a full preview for that, but um, I'd say the uh, Michigan Tech-Michigan State game, they're 17-18 in pairwise. That, that'll be pretty important for uh, a last non-conference game or games. Yeah, big uh, big game coming up. Uh, like you said, we'll get into the, the GLI more, but for sure the most important game on the weekend for MSU will be that first game. So, uh, and for Michigan, too, I think it's a good game against Ferris State, a good chance to start their uh, second half of the season looking to get on a roll, uh, get get themselves out of the basement of the Big Ten, and they have the, they have the chance to do so. They have the talent. So uh, they're probably going to want to come back refreshed from a break here, and uh, we'll have to see uh, both teams could have some guys playing in the World Juniors, so we'll have to see who they have at the tournament. But, yeah, it's, uh, it should be a fun GLI. I think uh, – uh, it's actually one of the years where I feel like uh, pretty much any of the four teams wouldn't shock me to win it. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yes, and I as well. Um, and that really is it. It was kind of a slow week considering this uh, winter break is coming up. Um, so a slow week, and it'll be really – it'll be all preview-based next week because there's not much going on. But um, so let's head to the mailbag where we got questions this week so yay for that um some of them were sarcastic but some of them were real so um i guess uh i'll start um from eric seeds on twitter a friend of the show we were asked our sports resolutions for 2020 uh jeremy i'll let you take the lead on this one Oh man this is pretty wide open i don't know how to take it i do one for every sport or uh what but oh, i God, think no I don't know. Uh, so man, first, no, are think, we assuming this is just strictly for our school affiliations, or are we having any yeah, professional? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't. I don't have to think about the Chicago Bears anymore. They finally were mercifully, you know, extricated <laughs> out of my life, Brendan. So um, I think my, you know, my my resolution is it's, uh, it's been a lot the last few months. If you look at the Cassius Winston situation, and then, like I, we just finished up talking about the Tommy Apex situation, I think. Uh, my goal for this year is just to try and enjoy sports more. Um, it's uh, I can't want to be heavy-handed with the mute button this sports year. Uh, the negativity uh, got into myself a little bit too hard in the football season. Just not my own self, but just being around negative people seemed to uh, ruin any any enjoyment that I could have out of it. So I think I'm going to try and be a little more tunnel visioned. Just enjoy the fun times. Uh, we've got a heck of a fun football or basketball and hockey team this year. I'm going to enjoy their runs and just kind of find a way to get excited for football next year and then really just get back into enjoying it more and not letting it dictate my mood anymore, Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have, so I'll go through, I have one funny one and one real one. Um, my real one, and this was actually my resolution for sports last year. But uh, I think I'm going to make it my one for this year because I can always do a little bit better. But enjoying every game for what it is and quit looking at the big picture every time. You know, and that, that goes for, oh, you, know, yeah. you know, I feel like social media specifically has made this hard um, because everybody can constantly talk about it all the time. But yeah. 
maybe maybe don't take a win over Penn State by four and be upset about it because you should have beat them by ten, right? Just be happy. You want a game. You want a Big yep. Ten game, and just be happy to get your favorite. Be able to watch your favorite team go win a game and be happy about it. So that's that's my one resolution. My funny resolution for 2020 is, for God's sakes, Brendan, do not get your hopes up the week of the Ohio State game that they can beat Ohio State because you know they're just going to fucking lose. Oh, Brendan. Brendan, I, I, again, we will coordinate. Me and your significant other next year will coordinate. We will make sure to keep you more grounded. Uh, I think we can already start today. Brendan, you play at this year next year. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. I'm just telling you right now, (laughs) right now is not the time where you need to talk me off the ledge. It's when Michigan's (laughs) won 10 straight games or just beat a bunch of good teams. And, oh, Ohio State didn't look too hot the week before the Michigan game. Yeah, that's for a reason, idiot. It's because they're focusing on Michigan. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know what you need to do? I'm just going to record it. We're recording this, Brandon. We just play this back next year. That's what we do. We play this. This is our our cold open for this show in the Ohio State week next year. <laughs> yeah, it's me giving a New Year's resolution. I like it. Um, all right. So our next question is from another friend of the show. I know he hasn't been on and or anything, or we've never been on, but uh, Sayolja for, uh, via Twitter. Um, said, what's one thing for our fellow fan base to keep in mind for 2020? I assume this means I'm telling Michigan fans what to keep in mind and you're telling state fans and not vice versa? Yeah, Okay. absolutely. Okay. Um, I, I guess I'll start for this one. Uh, one thing for our fan base to keep in mind, um, guys, we're not going to beat Ohio State. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think one thing to keep in mind really is – this is perspective about our college football team because we may not be in that national picture, but I would just like to remind everybody that even when Lloyd Carr was the coach, we were rarely in the national picture. Just everybody calm down, enjoy your wins. Like I said, for my, my actual resolution, enjoy the win. Because I think college football is where we do this the worst, where if you don't beat a certain team by a certain amount of points, everybody's pissed off after a game they just won. Just take every game, enjoy every win. And for God's sakes, there is not a reason to fire Jim Harbaugh because he lost to Ohio State again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a good one. Uh, for, for MSU, you know, I would say uh, I, I want to take a little bit of a big picture um, and maybe it's because I'm in it every day, you know, being around campus as much as I am and just seeing all the ways that this is affecting the campus and has been for multiple years. I think if using your word perspective, but taking an even big picture, uh, this is a campus that just had was rocked by one of the biggest scandals in really any type of, for sure, education history paid hundreds of millions of dollars in settlements, and yet the athletic department is in pretty good shape, guys. Calm down. You are not going to be able to maintain getting every single coach you want on staff. You're not going to be able to maintain 
a fo- level of football recruiting or other football results that hasn't happened outside of an amazing run, which coincided with Michigan and Penn State both being down. Oh, uh, man, they're right going to kill you for that. Oh. I don't even care. Like, I mean, that's not the whole reason that MSU was good, but there's a, there's a reason that the numbers say when you're in a team, a conference with Blue Bloods and the non-Blue Bloods are winning, it does help schools like a Michigan State or, you know, like if Pitt won the ACC, it would probably help if Clemson was down a little bit or Florida State was down a little bit. Am I right? You know, and that's not to take anything away from what MSU did. They still had to go beat Ohio State, who was not down. But that helps. So right now, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State are three of probably what? The top 15 programs in the country most years. And yeah. they're in your division in football. But through that, you've got a football team that the absolute floor is making a bowl game when their season isn't a complete implosion like the three and nine year. That's pretty good for MSU in their history. I know you're all spoiled by the last five years or that five-year run of 36 and eight, but that's pretty good. That's a pretty damn good run. Uh, your basketball program is premier, and your hockey program's on the rise, and your women's basketball program is a top 20 program. Enjoy it. Because yeah. you know what? We have no right to assume with all that turbulence going on that everything would have stayed stable, and it pretty well stabilized. So I think they really need to get some perspective. And it's the same as what, actually, it's funny that Soldier's the one who asked this question because him and I were having a great conversation about kind of like the conversation you and I have last week on the show of just too many fans moved on from the Zachary Winston death quickly and just got right back into let's analyze basketball. Why aren't they playing perfect? Well, you know why they're not playing perfect? They went through some shit. And this whole campus went through some shit. And just because you all moved to Detroit or Grand Rapids and all you can do is watch the games on TV and then you can turn MSU off out of your mind for the rest of your week, on this campus, it's been a drag and it's been on people's minds every single day so i think they need to get some perspective the coaches have done pretty darn well to fight through all that and keep all the programs if not rising in the case of hockey or basketball stable in the case of like a football yes so that's look at how much penn state bottomed out you know granted they had a bowl band and things but they bottomed out when that happened to them yeah, no, that's completely true, and I just don't want it to make it like we're uh, completely ripping on the only fans that would have a reason to listen to this podcast because no, no. literally we are all very similar as people, and we all love sports. Totally. Just because we root for different teams doesn't mean we're actually different. Every fan base has a more view of what their program is. Ohio State fans probably think they're Alabama, and they're not. I mean, like, Auburn fans probably think they're they're on par with Alabama. There are so many – every fan base has an inaccurate view of what what their program is because they're fans, and they want to see things in a more positive light, and there's nothing wrong with that. But still, we're able – to have some perspective and know what we are while also enjoying everything. So that's in, the goal. In both, fan bases, in both fan bases, we do spend a lot of money on our programs. I get that. But just look around. There's a power five full of programs that will never get to experience what we get to experience as fan bases. 
we each have experienced a final four in the last five years. Yep. That's insane. Yeah. We, Michigan has been on the cusp of the college football playoff and they've been in the, you know, they've played Ohio State the chance for the Big Ten Championship. Michigan State has been in the playoff. They've won Big Ten Championships in football. Like, Michigan had a season that they went to a basketball Final Four and Frozen Four in the same season. We are pretty darn spoiled fan bases. And I think we can have our expectations, but I really think look around the landscape of college football as a total. You guys have it pretty good. College football, sorry, college sports in general. Pretty good. And it's pretty cool that both of our fan bases get to experience that. I, I completely agree with you. Um, our last couple questions are of the less serious nature. I hope at least with this next one. Um, our friends over at the Can't Read, Can't Write podcast uh, specified this question for me with the Michael Scott gif of him saying, why are you the way that you are? Um, uh, I, was, I was born into a Michigan family. And it was love at first sight. Just to give you some background, the reason you got that is oh, every week that they throw out questions, CT and TC only responds with office gifts. So I enjoy the reference. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, Brendan didn't choose that life, guys. It's, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I just want to sidebar with, like, why are why are you the way you are? Is why are you a Michigan fan? And I just want to bring this up as a story because I got into a little bit of a not even a spat, just a we disagreed on something with uh, Spartan Avenue on Twitter, and his followers got into my mentions. I basically said we I brought it up earlier, but I basically said because he was complaining about Michigan fans taunting him about recruiting. And I said, it's just rivalry fodder. Let it go. Like, it, you should expect to hear negative things from Michigan fans. Rivals can point at other rivals. And I got two people saying, what do you mean, rivals? You go to U of M Flint uh, from oh just followers of Spartan Avenue. And, oh. uh, like, so, A, can you tell me what the U of M – portion of that stands for please b it it always comes back to the whole thing where it's like so you have to go to msu to be a fan of it it's that bad like is that what you're saying because no other college fan base makes this argument not that i've seen well here's here's the thing too that is just even worse about it is that they don't even have the intelligence to see that one of the things that I think in many cases can be very valid, especially maybe more the out-of-state kids that come in, is that MSU fans can't stand the arrogance of Michigan, right? Like Michigan Ann Arbor, they can't stand that arrogance. And yet they don't see that to then shit on someone who made it maybe an economic choice or a family choice to go to U of M Flint because it's closer to home uh, is being a pretty much of an elitist prick too. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah, and uh, then um, yeah, it it was crazy, and just like I never actually used that. What does UM stand for? I did use, however, when uh somebody and ins- he insulted me. I said, I said something, and he said, "Well, that I guess that's what that community college uh, education gets you." And then I actually did say, like, "What does the U stand for?" 
please tell me what the U in U.M. Flint stands for. <laughs> at, at that uh, point, like, yeah, I didn't get anything back, but it just it, – I just wanted to shit on that argument for a second and uh, tell that quick story because uh, apparently – it happens with every big Twitter account. Anybody who gets a lot of followers, the lower uh, common denominator of that portion of followers is always going to be the going to hop in your mentions and talk to you about what school you go to type. But yeah, just wanted to tell that quick story. Um, we did have one more question wow. on here. Listen, uh, Brandon, before we move on, though, I do have to say, can we all quit making fun of each other? We all just can just make fun of Ferris State. This is right there. <laughs> Yes, yes. Thursday and Davenport are there for all of us to get along and make fun of. We don't have to like either one of them. It's yeah. fine. And never mind where Jeremy went to school. That doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> this is now a Grand Valley State podcast. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Okay. Oh, man. So the last question I'm going to let you read off because you know the asker better than I. Yeah, so my wife decided uh, to ask, is it possible for us to end a recording session in less than two hours? And so my response on Twitter was my favorite video of all time, which is Nick Saban saying, it's not, I'm not going to answer, so quit asking, uh, which I do use to her probably too often in a marriage. But I will say <laughs> we're at an hour and 24 minutes, and some of that was pre-show, so boom, we did it. Boom, roasted. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to fill up 37 minutes of content here just uh, just for the meme but uh <laughs> yeah I I will admit sometimes you don't plan on going 2 hours <laughs> and it just kind of happens by making Rick Patino jokes which by the way those all last less than 15 seconds so you have to make a lot of Rick Patino jokes yeah well we see Here's the thing. The reason we can go two hours is we're not Rick Pitino. Oh, boy. You almost got me to spit water all over my laptop with that one. Um, <laughs> Did you get the stop on it? <laughs> yeah. I had to turn my head at the last second. Uh, I love that Rick Pitino just will become our meme forever. Yeah, somehow. When we get when we get famous, that's gonna be our season desist is all the Rick Patino jokes. I actually got a text in the middle of the week saying, Jesus, that was a lot of Rick Patino jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Unprompted. So um a little shout out to that person if you're listening. Um Yeah, so that's it for the episode because of the slow week. I think we still cracked well over an hour. because uh, we talk way too much, hence why we have a podcast. Um, speaking of our podcast, make sure you rate, subscribe, and more importantly than anything, just tell your friends, really, if they're talking about needing an extra podcast. Uh, we have a pretty unique thing going on here, and I think a lot of people could use it in their lives. Yeah, it's the holiday season. You're going to be taking some road trips. You know, your friends are taking some road trips, need, some, uh, need something to kill or kill, kill the drive or kill the time in the airport. You know, definitely uh, throw us out as a suggestion. Yes, um, because like we said, we love to make fun of each other, and what's better than that? Um, any anything else before we leave? I I think we might have to witness a pinstripe bowl before we record next, uh, possibly depending on our schedules next week. All I know is that I hope that 
on his way out of the stadium for the final time as a Spartan, uh, Kenny Wilkes burns Yankee Stadium to the ground. 